You guys want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, we're going to go over the first 10 verses today, and you guys remember the first section of the book of 1 Peter is really dealing with uh, salvation, so chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 10, is really the first section, that, that first chunk is dealing with salvation, and we saw that this salvation uh, came by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our salvation is, well, it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it's reserved in heaven for you and I. Uh, and, and it won't fade away, right? And it's kept by the power of God. And we know Zechariah 4, 6, right? It, uh, that it's not by might, it's not by power, it, but by my spirit, God says. And so it's kept by the word of God. It, God, it, it, what is it, Jude 24, uh, it says that he keeps us from stumbling. He holds us together. He keeps us together. And I think it's so exciting. Uh, obviously, it gives us uh, reason enough to rejoice in the salvation that we have, knowing that he's got it, right? It's all in his hands. Just as much as the universe has been in the palm of his hand and everything works perfectly, uh, your salvation works perfectly uh, in his hands as well. And so in chapter 1, verses 13 to 25, we saw the results of salvation or the byproduct, if you will, or because you are saved, thus, you know, there's going to be some uh, byproducts of that. Um, if we really believe in this glorious salvation that we've been given, uh, that, you know, Peter's talking about and how he presents it to us here in chapter one, there should be, you know, that byproduct in our lives. It should result in a few things. In a Number one, a holiness in our lives. Number two, a fear of God, a healthy fear of God in our lives. And number three, a heart of love for others. And, and so today we're really going to see the, the fourth thing here in chapter two, verses one to ten, in, in dealing with if we really understand this salvation, uh, it should result in a harmony uh, with others uh, or among uh, believers. And so let's go ahead and read again First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 1, um, and then we'll make our way back and go verse by verse through there. It says in verse 1, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is written or it is uh, contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained 
mercy. Whew. I'm loving these 10 verses. I don't know about you guys. That's pretty jam-packed right there. Um, but really, this is the fourth result of our salvation, right? And how glorious the salvation really is. Not only will it result in a holiness in our lives, in a healthy fear of God in our lives, in a uh, a, love, a healthy love for others, you can say, um, but also it will now result in a harmony among other believers or a unity, if you will. And, and this speaks of the unity, the oneness of the body of Christ that we have as the body of Christ, right? And I think this is timely for us today. Uh, because there's, you know, so much diverse, uh, division really in the church. And, and, uh, it's, I think it's, it's great that, that, that God set it up this way. Uh, there's a lack of harmony among believers today. And some of this disunity, uh, really happens because of the silliest, smallest little things in the church you know i don't think we should have pews in the church i think we should have chairs in the church i think we should have purple carpet not red carpet i think we should have you know blah 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 right it's too hot it's too cold the teachings are too short right right guys yeah i agree we argue about the silliest things and and it brings division and guys that should not happen at all it's it's silly to allow those things to happen in your life without any kind of you know, second thought about it at least, you know. Uh, and, and we're so blessed here at our fellowship. I, I love, um, I love the unity that we have, the koinonia, right? The fellowship that we have. It's strong. And, and I love talking to other people, you know, when I go to Woodman's or whatever and they're like, oh yeah, Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Oh, you guys got a strong knit body there. And I'm like, yeah, right? I love hearing that. But, uh, but it, and it's cool because we stress the word of God here. That's what Calvary Chapel is known for, right? It's known for going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the word of God. And, and what, what also is stressed in the church? Prayer, right? You constantly hear Pastor Dwight being like, hey, Saturday mornings, come to, come to women's prayer or men's prayer. And, and so the word of God and prayer is stressed. And I think, man, what, right? If you're going to go to a fellowship and they're going to stress something, I mean, those are two good qualities to have. So anyways, if we understand how glorious the salvation really is, uh, it should result in a harmony uh, among other believers, right? And Peter outlines for us two things for you note takers uh, today. Uh, it involves what we do, number one, and that's in verses one to four. And number two, I'll just give it to you up front. Uh, it involves who we are, verses five to ten. Now, these two things Peter gives us uh, really to help us understand a little more um, what it is, what's involved in this harmony, in this unity uh, in the body of Christ. And Peter mentions really three things for you and I as, uh, you know, what we should do as believers, you know, if we want to see this harmony, this unity in the body of Christ. Number one, uh, it involves laying aside sin, Notice in verse 1, laying aside sin, therefore laying aside, uh, well, I would say sin, but we'll get to the rest of it there. Uh, notice the word therefore, of course, linking us to the previous section uh, as it pertains to the word of God, but also as it pertains to salvation. And that's the context of this whole section here. Since you and I are born again, First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 23, uh, which says, I don't know if I have it on here. Let's see here. 
There's laying aside. Okay, I don't got it on there. But having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, right? In verse 23. So since it's kept by God, since it's reserved in heaven for you and I, and and uh, therefore laying aside, laying aside, that word laying aside used eight times in the New Testament literally means to cast off, right? To lay down, to put away. And and when my wife tells me, you know, take out the garbage, I'm not going to go and grab, you know, just one gallon of milk and just throw it out. The, I'm going to take the whole bag out, right? I'm going to lay it, I'm going to throw it in the garbage and I'm going to take it out. And so that's what it's saying. It's saying, take it, take it all, right? And take it away, take it all off uh, in that sense. So, uh, by the way, that this whole idea, this this is a command, uh, for us as believers, it's not an option, right, to lay aside. Um, and, and if we really understand this salvation, that we are born again, chapter 1, verses 23, um, by the word of God. Therefore, Peter is commanding us to lay aside three things. Laying aside what? And it, he outlines it for us here in verse 1. And it's very easily recognized by that little word, if, right here. And notice it says the, the first thing here we should lay aside is all malice. All malice. That word malice, uh, used 11 times in the New Testament, uh, carries the idea of having hatred or a bitterness uh, toward another. So we would say, you know... Um, Carrying a grudge, you know, towards somebody. Uh, in fact, this bitterness, this hatred, this grudge that we have for someone else, is, it's so great, it's so intense that we actually desire to see something bad happen to somebody, right? You're like, go ahead, fall down. They're walking on the ice right now, right? And it's like, come on, oh, I didn't fall down, oh. That's, that's malice, guys. And I, you know, you're like, oh, I hope they drop their Christmas cookies, right? They're just, whatever it is. But that's malice. That's wrong. Don't do that. But, you know, have you guys ever thought that way? I'm sure. I don't know. Have you guys ever ran across somebody maybe at work or at home or your neighbor even, right? Where you're like, um, man, I really hope their house burns on fire, you know? Like, their car doesn't start in the morning or, and, uh, but that's, that's our nature. That's our, our flesh nature, right? That we gotta put to death daily. And if you don't, those are your thoughts. Uh, well, other churches, right? Not us. <laughs> But um, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. The fact is, you and I are commanded by God to lay aside all malice and all grudges, all bitterness, all hatred, all desire to see something bad happen in someone's life. Because if we really desire unity, if we really desire this harmony, if you will, uh, in the body of Christ... um, then we are going to cast off. We're going to set uh, set it down, whatever it is. And Ephesians chapter 4, go to verse 20. It says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, and there's our word right there, that you put off, that you cast off, that you set down, that you, uh, this is our, our word for malice, right? Concerning your former conduct, 
The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's the solution. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Did you guys catch that? There is the idea of unity, harmony. Because why? Because, because we're members of one another. And, and yes, we are made up of different parts of the body, but we're all one body. Right? And, and we all need to cast off that old man. And, and, uh, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. The second thing we are to lay aside is not only number one, malice, uh, but number two, uh, it's all guile. All guile. And, and that word guile is used 12 times in the New Testament. And it, it, it's, it's where we get our English word for, um, decoy. And, and it speaks of something that is deceptive. Um, I remember, and keep in fact, right, I'm from Arizona. I'm not like you guys, right? Um, but I'm a city kid, right? So I remember when I was a teenager, I, I went in a semi-truck with my uncle from Arizona all the way to New, New York and then all the way to Los Angeles. And uh, But somewhere in between, I don't know, Nebraska or somewhere, uh, we stopped at a rest stop and uh, and I could see far away, you know, like 100 feet, you know, like a football field in front of me. Uh, it's raining, right? There's all this grass out there. And, and I'm looking, and I'm like, hey, I told my brothers, I was like, there's a deer right there. And, and you know, and I was, they're like, go get it, Josh. And I was all, go get it, Josh. You know, right? <laughs> and, and, and I start to run. And I'm running as fast as I can towards this deer. And, it's, uh, and the closer I get, the more excited I get, because I'm like, it's not, it can't even hear me. This is amazing. It's like, it's just still, it's looking that way. And I'm like, I'm going to tackle this thing. And then I got like five feet from it. And I realized it's a decoy. It's a fake. It's not even real. And so I stop. And of course I slid and then I fall down and I'm all muddy. And then I walk back in shame, you know. And, and so now when I hear the word decoy, there's like some bitterness and malice in me, right? Where I'm like, oh, uh, those decoys. Anyways, uh, I don't know why you guys set that out in your front yard. Why do you, never mind. Just, I drive and I'm like, ew. <laughs> but, um, but Peter's talking about all guile, right? Or everything that is dishonest in light of really two things here. Note carefully in verse one, he talks about, uh, hypocrisy and envy. And both of these are in the plural, by the way. And he talks about hypocrisies and envies, right? So hypocrisies, uh, which is a word for, um, well, we get it from the back, you know, the, the actors back in the day where they would, you know, have two faces and they'd play one performance and one face and then all of a sudden they got another face and they're playing a different, you know, character in that sense. And so we would say, you're two-faced, right? And and uh, that's where the term comes from. So uh, where, where uh, one person says one thing and really they mean the other or uh, he's not honest or really it's this is that's the idea it's speaking the whole uh, idea of guile right being dishonest being two-faced in a sense and so but he's also talking about envious right and 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 envies if you will and and this word carries the idea of resenting someone so much 
because of what they have or who they are, you're literally, you literally want to see that taken away from them, right? And, and not so much that you want to, you want it for yourself. Uh, obviously that would be jealousy, right? Wanting what somebody else has. But this idea of envies, it, it, uh, it's not wanting you to have something, uh, anymore. It doesn't matter, you know, if I want it or not, or if I can get it or not. I just don't want you to have it because I don't have it. Right? And that's kind of what carries the idea there. So all of this carries the idea of guile. We need to be real with others. We need to, you know, rejoice when other, with others when, when they're promoted. Don't, you know, be, uh, don't guile them in the sense, right? And be like, oh, I just hope the worst for you in your life. Ah, right? Um, it's a scary thing. So, uh, obviously, if we're not doing that, there's gonna be harmony. There's gonna be a unity in the body of Christ. And now the third thing we're to lay aside is, look at verse one, uh, in the middle here, it's evil speaking. Evil speaking. And, and it means to defame someone's character. Uh, to speak against them. To slander them. This is something huge in my life. When I first came to the Lord as a teenager, you know, I grew up with three older brothers. I grew up in a, a neighborhood. Um, uh, just, you know, just with the people around me. The, the, the cool thing, the way we, we, we would love each other is by, t- just talking down on each other. You're so dumb. Oh, I love you too, man. That's just the way we would say it, right? You're like, oh, you're... We would just slander each other. And I'm so thankful for my wife because when I first met her, she's like, why would, why would, why did you say that? And it just dawned on me. Ding! The light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, why did I say that to her? You know, that's not cool. And, and, and it was just my way of my culture, if you will, of defaming each other, right? Bringing your reputation down and be like, oh, you're, you're dumb, man. You're a dude. That's slander, right? And that's not to be, in fact, that's a sin. And, and I didn't realize that early on. I had to, I had to realize that. And I was like, oh man, I need to repent. Here I am thinking I'm all perfect. And here I am in sin like crazy. Um, so, uh, notice, that is a sin. So we're to lay that aside, right? And obviously, we would classify all three of these things as sin, right? And and that's why we're to lay it all aside, verse 1. Uh, all types of sin. Peter just gives us three here. And the point is really simple. If we really understand how glorious the salvation really is, uh, we are to get, we're to lay aside all these things, right? And we will cast off these things because we realize how important our salvation, our, that we're really are the unity that God has been doing in the church. We don't want to hinder the work of God. We don't want to get in the middle of God, right? That's a scary place to be in. Um, so back to 1 Peter, look at chapter 2. There's three things involved in what we do. Uh, it, it was laying aside sin, number one. And now number two, it involves longing for the word. Longing for the word, verses 2 and 3. And this whole thought here in verses 2 and 3, longing for the word, uh, for more of the word, comes from the word desire. Excuse me. Um, the word desire, that's the imperative. That's the command, by the way. Uh, just like the command in verse 1, right, was to lay aside. Now the command also is, in verses 2 and 3, is to desire. Desire. And it means to have a strong 
or an intense desire for something or someone. And, and just as in verse 2, newborn babe, right, desires the pure milk of his mother uh, so that he can grow, uh, we too, it should be with us, right? No matter how old we are or how young we are in the Lord, uh, we should desire the pure milk of the word of God. You know, how much are we desiring God's word. Are you guys, is it in your head when the alarm goes off? Like, oh man, I, I gotta get in, I can't wait to get in the word, right? Um, or, you know, it's throughout the day, is it, man, I can't wait to get home and just get in the word. I can't wait for lunchtime so I could go at least read a chapter or, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but, Notice it says, as newborn babies here. So he's talking to the church in general, right? So not uh, not only just, you know, if you're, uh, I'm an old, mature believer, so this doesn't refer to me. I don't need to desire the word of God. I'm beyond that, right? I, I read encyclopedias, right? <laughs> no, don't be silly, right? We should all have the same intense craving uh, as a newborn baby desires the pure milk of his mother. And, and, Remember those times when you guys fell in love? You just think about it, right? Oh, I just, you, it was that burning feeling in your chest. You guys know what I'm talking about? You just can't stop, stop smiling. You're just like, eee! there's like food in front of you. And you're like, I can't even eat. I'm so in love, right? You feel like you're flying. And it, that's the, that's the feeling we should always have around the word of God. We should just always have that, like Jeremiah says, it's burning within my heart, right? I can't, I can't help but utter God's word out of my lips it just it just falls out because it just I'm giving the word in my heart and then now it just overflows and it comes out it's a beautiful thing so the the word of God will nourish us right and and it will bring us to maturity in him and that's how it all it always should be right so notice in verse three if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious if that word if is in the first class condition. In other words, we would say, since and in fact it is that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that he is gracious, right? Uh, David said in Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And it reminds me of Romans chapter 2, verse 4, where it says at the end, uh, or I'll just read the whole thing. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It was the goodness of God that led us to salvation. You see, apart from repenting, you would, you're not, you're not saved unless you choose to repent of your, your sins. Uh, who, who really is reaching out to God if they're like, hey, Lord, you know, I believe in you, you know. 30%. I'm going to hold on to the rest of this, though. No, he's looking for surrendered, sold-out believers, right? Lord, I believe. It's not a, a, a word that you say. It's it's really the action of the heart, right? I believe, and thus I'm going to live, and I'm going to obey the word of God. And so uh, since you have tasted that the Lord is good, Right? The natural thing to do is desire more of the word, right? And, and that's how we grow. Sad thing today is that many pastors today, they starve the flock without, they don't give the word of God, right? And, and they're not feeding the flock God's word. And, and that word pure, by the way, Right here, it says it's sincere, it's untainted, it's undefiled. Uh, and in other words, when we 
teach the word of God, uh, we should not add to it, right? Or take away from it. Uh, in, in many churches today, they think that somehow, you know, that they, they, they got to keep the people coming to church. And so in order to keep the people, I'm going to go door to door and say, you know, how, wh- why don't you go to church? Well, I don't go, well, what's the reason why you don't? Because we want to do what you want us to do so that you can come to our church, right? And then they take the list and they do all that. And, and then it, it becomes really the world. It just, it's not church anymore, right? It's a whole entertainment, uh, thing going on. And it's a scary thing. They, they want to jazz it up a little bit, right? Lights, camera, action, smoke, right? Whoosh, lasers. And now the pastor. Dun, 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 right? And, and then, uh, it's just, it's wacky. And they don't give the word of God. Um, man, we, we know in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, that the word of God is already powerful, right? It is the power. We don't need anything else. It's already powerful enough, not because of us, but in spite of us. It's the word of God. So the church doesn't need, uh, uh, really, we don't need any of the programs, if we will, but we need the power of God in our churches today. Amen? Amen, church. So many ch- churches today, though, they're, they're dumbing down the flock and, and, uh, by setting aside, not sin, but they're setting aside the word of God. And they pick up the latest, greatest, you know, bestseller, Christian, whatever. And, and that's what's tickling people's ears. So thus, we're gonna give that out. And, and that's how we're gonna get a mega church, right? Guys, the goal is not to have a big church. The goal is to see Christ glorified, right? To see Him do His work through His word of the word of God, and he's going to reach people's hearts, and there's going to be thus true salvation, and that's the church. That's what I want to see. I, I could care less about more people in the church. What, what is that? In fact, that's going to be more danger, more harm to the church. Uh, it's it, Anyways, uh, but I'm grateful for Pastor Dwight because he delivers the word of God to us, right? He gives us, you know, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. There's the whole counsel of God wrapped up in one for you guys. You, you want biblical counseling, just come to church to get God's word. There's the best counseling you can get. It's the word of God. And if he hasn't touched on an area, just hold up, you know, he, We'll get there <laughs> eventually, um, but but uh, it's all in the Word of God. Everything that we need to know about life and godliness is contained in the Word of God, and so uh, we need to stick to the Word. Anyways, let's come to the third thing here. We said that there are three things uh, we do for having this unity or this harmony uh, in Christ. Number one, it involves laying aside sin. Number two, it, it involves longing for for the Word, and number three, it involves looking to the living stone, looking to the living stone. Notice in verse 4, um, uh, well, let's start again from verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, number 4, verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, uh, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You know, what should we do in our lives if we really want this unity in the body of Christ? Well, for sure, we should lay aside sin. Uh, we should definitely, obviously, be longing for more of the word of God. And, and, uh, but we should also be looking to the living stone as well. According to verse 4, right? And this is easily missed. Notice it says, coming to him. 
That's speaking of Jesus Christ, right? Looking to Jesus Christ, drawing near to Jesus, the living stone. And here Peter declares that Jesus Christ is the living stone. And interesting, since Jesus called Peter, uh, uh, what did he say? Petros, right? Pebble, right? And, and, uh, I don't know, uh, no longer Simon, right? But it's, it's Pebble. <laughs> Simon, Peter, right? And Peter's pointing us now to the rock, right? Who is higher than us. He's pointing us to Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, Jesus, uh, he, he's the cornerstone as well, according to Psalm 118. He's the stumbling stone of Isaiah 8. He's the foundation stone of Isaiah 28. He's the supernatural stone of Daniel 2. And the rock that gave Israel water in the wilderness, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4. Uh, but note carefully, he says about the living, this living stone in verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You see, we're to be looking to this living stone, Jesus Christ, right? And, and now in verses 6 to 8, Peter gives us a, a, a contrast uh, to those who do not look to uh, the living stone. And, and in verses 6 to 8, in fact, let, look at verse 5. Uh, before we do that, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up as uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, now we'll come back to that. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, so those who choose not to believe that Jesus Christ is the living God, that he is God Almighty come in the flesh, that he died, uh, was buried, and rose again, right? Uh, it says, uh, the stone which the builders rejected, so Israel, they, they rejected their own Savior, he has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, they stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. So uh, uh, Peter quotes in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, and therefore it, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion. Now in Jerusalem, there are, well, I think seven mountains. We just looked at that, but you know, we got um, Mount Moriah, Mount Ophel, Mount uh, Zion, right, the hills, and and uh, so Mount Zion is, yeah, it's a hill, but typically when you say, you know, let's go to Mount, let's go to Zion, uh, they're, they're referring to Jerusalem, I've never been there, so I'm sorry if I got one of those mountains wrong, that's what I read, but, so if someone says, you know, let's go to Zion, though, they're referring to Jerusalem, let's go to Jerusalem, and, and in fact, uh, that's what we just read right here, you know, uh, behold, I lay in Zion. And the whole point here is those who do not look to the living stone because of their disbelief in the word of God and, and that they stumble, they trip, they fall, right? Be, but you and I are to look to the living stone, right? To, uh, uh, approach him. He has been rejected by man, but chosen by God. He is indeed precious to us who believe, obviously. And what a contrast that is, right? To thus, us who believe and to those who don't believe. Uh, so those who believe receive and those who reject, well, they stumble. And, and guys, we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. If anything in our generation today, right, and where we are, we need to stay focused on ourselves, right, and who we are, 
and me, myself, and I. Amen, church. Amen. I thought I heard an amen. No, right? We're, we're to look to him and, and not look to others. We're not to look at our circumstances. We're to look at Jesus Christ, right? And when we focus on others, uh, we begin to see what, what, what they are and, and what they're not doing, right? And we're like, oh, <laughs> sinner. And, and, uh, but that's a good reminder that you're a sinner. And how much more, you know, that God has shown you his mercy and his grace. And now, because of that, we can now show mercy and show grace to others. And that love that God has shown to us, because we're no good, dirty, rotten sinners. Amen? Right? Your psychologist is going to hate me. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> you're beautiful. Um, anyways, uh, so... Yeah, what happens, it brings us into a lack of unity, though. When you begin to look at that sin and you begin to be like, right, because we see how messed up they really are. But be careful, right? It's easy for us to get our eyes off of Jesus Christ and onto others. And you begin to stumble all of a sudden. You begin to trip. You begin to fall. And and it, it breaks that fellowship. It breaks that unity that we have in the church. So back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's come to the second and final section. Uh, Peter outlined for us two simple things that are involved in having this harmony with, uh, well, among believers in the church. Number one, it involved what we do, but secondly, uh, we, and we saw three things about that, right? But secondly, it involves who we are in verses five through ten. Uh, if we truly desire unity with believers, it, not only involves what we do practically, but it also involves really who we are. And and Peter lists for us seven things here that you and I are in Christ. And and the first thing uh, I notice we are is, well, we are living stones. Interesting. Notice in verse 5, we're going to backtrack a little bit here. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Notice uh, Jesus Christ is the living stone, and so too are you and I now as a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're living stones, it says. So notice you're being built up. That That's what you do with stones, right? Stones are to be built built with, basically. And and we're to be built up a, a spiritual house, is what it says. And, and notice it says uh, a holy priesthood and it speaks of the body of christ not the building uh but flesh and blood right and no, no wonder jesus said in uh matthew 16 18 he says uh uh, he says, I will build my church, right? And it's him who is building. It's him who is doing the work in the church. It's not any of us. <laughs> Amen, right? It's a good thing. Uh, what, that would be a lot of pressure on all of us, right? If it, we were in charge of that. But notice in verse five, it's all through Jesus. He is the builder. We are the stones. And, and he's, not, he's not only the builder, but he is also our, uh, the foundation as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he is the foundation. It's Jesus Christ. And one aspect of the church is to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Notice that right there. Uh, by the way, turn with me to Hebrews to the left. Hebrews chapter 13. It's like three or four pages to the left. Um, Hebrews 13, I, I think we all understand this illustration of, of uh, being a living stone since, you know, he's the cornerstone, we're the living stones as well, and we're being, we're, we're basically uh, 
We're building blocks, right? And, and if you will, and as, as a spiritual building, we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And, and not the, you know, physical sacrifices of the Old Testament, uh, but spiritual sacrifices is what we're to offer up. And question, what is, what does that mean? I think, you know, offering up sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ really involves praise. It involves praise. Notice in Hebrews chapter 13, it's in verse 15. It says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Wow, praising God and thanking God. Did you guys catch those two things there? That's how we offer up spiritual sacrifices unto the Lord. And this is important because oftentimes we don't want to praise God and, and, or thank him. And sometimes we shake our fist at God, right? And, and uh, because we don't like what he's doing in our lives. And we're like, Lord, how did, why, why me? Why now? This shouldn't be happening. Oh, and, and our life should be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Amen? Am I the only one? Right? Okay. You guys are awesome. Wow. Our life should be, you know, in complete control right now, right? I, I need a, everything should be in, in cruise control and just happening naturally and, and it should be all good. Uh, no. So it involves our praise though. And notice it involves our bodies as well. Uh, I think you guys understand what I'm talking about with praise. Um, but, uh, notice, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, look at verse 1. It says, I'll let you guys turn there. It says, uh, I'll read slowly then. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, and here it is, your bodies as what? As living not dead, but as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Another translation would say, this is your act of worship before the Lord. What do we do? How do we worship the Lord? Well, by presenting ourselves before the Lord, our bodies, our physical bodies, right? Uh, In fact, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Here's another uh, aspect of uh, offering up our spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, um, we can. We, we do not only. Not only does it uh, involve um, praise and well thankfulness as well, right? And it involves our bodies, but it also involves. And we we talked about this a couple weeks back. Uh, giving. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse eighteen. It says, "Indeed, I have all." And in, and Paul is talking here about uh, the church of um, Philippi. And, and they were giving to him, right? And so he says, Indeed I have all, and I abound, and I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. There's our word right there, which is well-pleasing to God. And But Paul, Paul blesses the church of Philippi for uh, providing for him. And when we give, it's a spiritual sacrifice, even though it's a tangible thing, but it's a, it's a spiritual sacrifice unto the Lord. As we, as the body of Christ, we understand 
this principle, uh, and truly it, it brings unity in the body of Christ, obviously, right? So that's the idea. When the body of Christ is working together, neglecting this, but also accepting this, right? Giving praise, giving thanks, giving uh, honor and glory to the Lord through our bodies and presenting it holy and acceptable before the Lord, but also we're giving as well. And so very interesting. Go back to First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter noted seven things about who we are. Number one, we are living stones. Number two, we are also a chosen generation. A chosen generation. Uh, Jump down to verse 9 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal, well, let's stop there. You're a chosen generation, right? And God chose us just as God chose Jesus Christ in verse 4. We already talked about this in chapter 1, so I won't go crazy on it. Um, So let's come to the third thing. We are a royal priesthood. Go back to verse 9. You're a chosen generation, but you're also a royal priesthood. And this is interesting since in verse 5, he calls us a royal priesthood uh and or i'm sorry a holy priesthood and and now in verse 9 he calls us a royal priesthood so interesting since both priesthoods are separate but yet they're very unique right the the holy priesthood speaks of that which is set apart speaking primarily uh of the priest and the royal priesthood is speaking of the king and, and since he's talking about, you know, priest and king right here. So who fits that category? Well, Jesus Christ, obviously. And, and, uh, uh, well, by the order of Melchizedek, I guess you can say, well, he's, uh, whoever you want to say he is, but he was also of the order. He was king and priest as well. And so Jesus is uh, coming after his order, not only to fulfill the priestly duty, but the, the kingly duty, if that's a word. Um, but so, Let's come to the fourth thing. You are a holy nation as well. Look at verse 9. A holy nation, number four. So when he's speaking of nation here, he's speaking of the church. You and I are holy. We're set apart. We're consecrated onto the Lord, right? And sad to say, many churches today... They've added, you know, they, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? And, and, uh, and it's, that's a scary thing. They've adopted a lot of programs and, uh, uh, just, like the world has, you know, and it's no different than the world. Whereas you and I, we need to, we need to desire the pure milk of the word of God, right? And, and bring it back to the foundation, Jesus Christ, right? And that's what I love about Calvary Chapel. We go through the word of God and it's so important that we do. It's not about all the hype, hoopla, lights, mirrors, camera, action, right? It's not about all that stuff. It's about Jesus. And and we, guys, we are to be set apart. We are to be focused on Jesus Christ as the church. If you guys came here today and you're like, he's talking about sin and I got to repent. Oh, it's the last time I go to Calvary Chapel. Oh, right. That's, that's how a lot of people see us, by the way. They're like, oh, you go to Calvary Chapel Appleton. Oh, you guys are just, you're the, you know, we're the weird ones, right? Amen, right? We are weird. We're, we're alienated from the world, right? We're in Christ Jesus, Philippians says. So, uh, in Colossians. But, 
Um, but yeah, praise the Lord for that. So let's come to the fifth thing. We are his special people, according to verse 9. So I don't think the emphasis, by the way, is on us being special. I think we kind of understand that concept already from verse 9, that we are already, uh, we're, we're, we're a royal priesthood, uh, we're a holy nation, uh, so we're already special, right? And and I think the focus, uh, the point here that, that uh, Peter is making is uh, we are his own special people. We are God's special people. And we're his, right? We're his special people. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, I'll read it to you. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are your gods. And no, no, not, not, not that you're a, you're God. And you are the Lord's, I should say, right? I don't give people the wrong impression there. First Peter chapter one, remember we talked about in verse 18, uh, knowing that you, uh, were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we belong to the Lord. We've been purchased. We've been bought at a price. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Jesus Christ. And and we're his own special people, right? And it should result in verse 9 in praising him, right? And and bringing glory to him, which in turn brings uh, really a unity in the body of Christ. It brings that harmony that we're talking about. And and uh, let's come to the sixth thing here. We're called notice, notice in verse 9 we're called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Uh, John chapter 8 verse 12 says, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Uh, but he, then he says, uh, we're to be a light as well. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, or I'm sorry, chapter 5 verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world, a city uh, on a hill that cannot be hidden. And then in verse 16, you are, you, you let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we are to be a light onto this world, right? Letting our light so shine before men that when they see us, they may glorify God as well, that they may come to the Lord. And it, it, we're like the salt, right? It's something that they'll desire to look into. And as they do, they'll come to the Lord and thus they will be a light and then they will spread as well. So we're to be a light onto the world. Why? Well, because it brings that unity in the body of Christ, right? It brings us together. Uh, seventh and final, we'll end with this. Uh, so if you've been sleeping this whole time, you can wake up now. Ready? All right, there we go. Seventh thing and finally, it's in verse 10. We are the people of God. We're the people of God. Notice in verse 10, it says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. So we've already seen this, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we're his special people, right? And so I think that the emphasis is at the end of verse 10 right here, dealing with his mercy, right? That uh, we're, we're God's people because we've obtained his mercy. And I, it all revolves around his mercy. And the point I think is important is since we have received um his mercy and obtain mercy when we became God's people, we in turn should 
show mercy to others as well, right? Uh, that's not from our flesh. That's not our nature, is it? We want justice, right? We want, get them, just oh, lock them up. That's, that's justice, right? Uh, but uh, God, and in his mercy, holds back that which we deserve. And that's what mercy is, right? So he's holding back what we deserve. And and we need to show this mercy, the same kind of mercy, to those around us as well. We should have compassion on others. And so picture in your head right now, somebody you just don't like. Ugh, show mercy toward them, right? <laughs> that's what we're commanded to do as believers. And, and uh, Christmas is coming up, guys. What an opportunity to see your family and and. and Oh, I've been holding that grudge for all these years. I can't believe he opened my present before I did. Oh, right? Or what are the silliest things we have division over, right? But hey, opportunity to worship the Lord here, guys, to be obedient to God's word, to put his word into play, right? Put it into action and to allow him to be glorified. And thus, that's going to bring unity in the body of Christ. And you're not going to, you're the one that can keep the division going. You're, you're, you're evil. <laughs> Don't do it, guys. You got to repent of that and give it to the Lord and, and choose to uh, allow God to do his work. And he will. He'll give you his, his grace and his mercy. And, and uh, thus you can show that to others as well. So wake up. Let's pray, guys. Stand up. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And uh, thank you that you are you're, you're God, Lord, and I thank you so much for who you are, and uh, we can't get enough of you, Lord. I pray that you would continue to instill that that passion within our hearts, Lord, to desire your word, uh, to to not act like we're the teachers, Lord, but to know that we are the students, and we'll always be your student. We'll always be learning of your goodness, of your grace, of your love, and uh, I pray, God, that you would continue to instill your heart within ours, Lord, that you would break us uh, for the things that you're broken over, that we would rejoice over the things that you dance and you rejoice over. And so I pray, God, that you would uh, do a work within us, Lord. Allow us to uh, go um, out of this place, uh, in your spirit, Father, and just knowing that you love us and uh, just how awesome you really are, Lord, and help us to choose to, to give you the glory today, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.